Welcome, lacrosse fans, to the Utah Lax Report podcast. I'm your host, Tim Haslam. This week on the site, you can see the boys' and girls' preseason coaches' polls presented by Vessel Kitchen. Corner Canyon takes the top spot in the boys' poll, while Park City takes the lead in the girls' poll. The full poll results can be seen on the site, utahlaxreport.substack.com. My interview this week is with Mark Stout. Stout has been a key part of the growth of lacrosse in Utah and was at the very first high school lacrosse meeting in 1994. We talk about the best players from Utah, BYU lacrosse, and more. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, Coach. How are you? I'm good. Getting over a cold, but other than that, I'm feeling great. Well, let's hope you get feeling better soon. I wanted to start out with just wondering, when did you start playing lacrosse? I started playing lacrosse in high school in 75. Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland, Woodlawn High School. Not a great powerhouse, but still, still there, still going. So... You mentioned earlier in our conversation that we had before this that uh, you continued on to junior college, went on an LDS mission, came back to the same junior college, and, and then in the fall of 81, ended up at BYU. Yep. Catonsville Community College, two years of, of junior college, and then BYU in 81. Well, fall of 81, playing in, in 82 for the first time. So, so what was it like back then? You know, the early 80s, you're on the campus of BYU. How many people, how many, how many guys had heard of lacrosse before, before getting on campus? Oh, my goodness. You'd walk around with a lacrosse stick, and it was about as alien at that point in time as walking around with a Walkman headphones on. People thought you were, you were uh, you know, from outer space. You're, you're walking around with these little, you know, little, little wire headphones on, and then the wire goes down into your, your backpack or your book bag or or whatever, and and then you add a lacrosse stick onto it, and you're the strangest guy on campus. And then you're trying to walk around because you're from the east. You're trying to walk around in boat shoes with no no socks, and you you know you could get in trouble for that back then. So it was it was it was a little bit of a, a transition, but it it you know you as you know, you meet some of your lifelong friends on a lacrosse team, on a field. And th- there are guys that I played with back then that I still communicate with on, on a regular basis. You know, there's some we, we wish we knew where they had drifted off to, but there, there are still some that I communicate with, you, you know, it, on a weekly, if not a monthly basis. So it, it, it was a wonderful time. We didn't have a lot of support from the university other than field space a little bit of locker room space. We traveled in our own cars and that continued until was it 94 when we lost two players coming back from California, they rolled their car, two were injured, two were killed. University said, okay, you have to use university vehicles from now on. And then it's, it's grown from them from then till now where we use actually, you know, the, the, the school pays for, you know, the big bus buses, which is, you know, the ultimate comfort. If you're, if you're only traveling one day, uh, multiple days, then of course you just take those up to the airport and then fly wherever. But, you know, it, 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 it certainly has changed over the years for the better, but you, you, you can't take away the experience we went through with trying to find gas money to get, get to or from a field, you know, got to have enough gas money to get there. Got to have a little bit for food. Got to have enough gas money to get back. 
And, you know, you're talking about going to Southern California or Northern California or Phoenix or, you know, places like that. So it's, you know, it's a couple of tanks of gas to get there and back and, and all that. But the, the camaraderie you would, you, you, you gained, you, you know, in those closed quarters of, you know, four or five guys to a car, you, you certainly can't beat that really. What were some of your favorite memories from, from playing back in those days? Was it, was it a road trip? Was it a certain game? What, what kind of stands out still uh, to this day? We had, we had a guy named Mark Etheridge. He was an ROTC guy. So he's at BYU, but I don't know if he had an apartment part of the time. He lived out of his van part of the time. Drove him, or he drove, we went to, I think, Phoenix, or we're playing down there at either Phoenix or the U of A. And he's a defenseman. He had one of those old spoons. You remember the spoon head? It went, it went down really wide and then came in at the bottom. It, anyway, it, it was a horrible stick. And, and he had one of those. Anyway, we, we had three defensemen, so we threw him on attack because we had like literally 11 players. And... Somebody shot, hit the goalie in the chest. It comes dribbling out in front of him, and he kicks it in. And then he goes off on a celebration that today would have gotten in one minute. But he goes off on a celebration. He goes, I'm a defenseman. I've never scored a goal in my life. You suck. I scored on you. You know, he's just, he's just in this goalie's face and everything else. And, and that, that's that's – yeah, that. And by the way, his on another road trip, his van, he had two other players in it. His van caught on fire, you know, so they had to pull out, pull over, put the fire out and then, then, then keep going, you know. So, you know, those those are stuff. Those are memories that you, you you'll never forget, you know, stuff like that. Making the road trip, staying with families. I, I can remember staying in Ukaipa with one of the players, families and he has since passed away and it was like his dad was just phenomenal and, you know, had his own business and, and stuff like that. And they welcomed us, the whole team into his, you know, one house, you know, and so yeah, you know, stuff like that, you'll never forget. Definitely. Those are, those are fun times that, uh, that you'll always remember. Let's, let's fast forward maybe 10 years or so. It's the early, you know, the mid nineties, you were telling me beforehand, basically, there was a meeting held in, in Sandy that established the high school league. You know, the, the early days of the, the Utah Lacrosse Association. Walk us through sort of that process and what went into organizing it. So you had, you had Jason Lamb and Marty Westcott playing at BYU. And, and Greg Saunders was the coach, but he was losing his eligibility status as a, a student and so he had to return to Canada because he, he couldn't he, he couldn't stay down here and work because he didn't have a green card. In that transition period, or just after that happened, somebody had called down to BYU and said, hey, we want to have a meeting. We want somebody from BYU or from Utah County both to, to, to represent. And those three guys, one of those three guys called and asked me to go, said they couldn't make it. Could I go? So I go to this meeting. It's, it's February of 94. We're at the Sandy Chamber of Commerce there on, on 90th and State Street. Big, big conference table with 15 to 22 people around it. Mason's there running the meeting. 
I, I believe Dave Allen was there, probably maybe Brad Hawes and his dad, somebody from Sunnyside, maybe Mark Etheridge, Dave Allen, myself, and a few other people that I unfortunately can't remember who was there. But they said, we want to start a high school league right now in 94. We have a Waterford team that was started as a PE program when Waterford was down here in Provo. And they continued it as, as they moved up to, to Salt Lake there in Sandy. And that team was playing a Salt Lake team that was coached by a bunch of the U of U, the Toulouse players uh, that were associated with, with uh, the U of U. And most of those players for that Salt Lake team were about to graduate. They were they were mostly seniors and a few juniors. And so with those two teams being already established, but one about to dissolve because of graduation, we were trying to preemptively kind of fill in with some other teams for a smooth transition to continue what they had started. And I started a, out of that meeting, I started a Utah County team. Mason started a Sandy team. Waterford already had a team. And then Sunnyside was the team that was kind of East, Roland Hall, Judge area up by the zoo and the U. And then somebody did a Park City team. And in the fall of 94, we had a league. And then at the end of the, the league, we had a state championship, which I've sent you a picture of. And uh, you can see the five teams and the coaches and, and guys from BYU and from other schools that were refing for us. And, you know, it's just that was the kind of the genesis of the ULA after the Waterford Salt Lake team kind of the Salt Lake team graduated and, and it kind of ended. But that team also was the genesis for the Sunnyside team moving forward. So anyway, that's, that's what happened in 94. That's, that's where it started. So from there, other teams just continued to build and form. You were saying earlier, you know, you had to go out every year and recruit new teams, re- recruit new players, starting t- teams at the junior high level, all of that. Did you ever imagine it would get to where it's at now? Oh my goodness. I, I, I don't think we, we could have imagined how many teams there are now back then even even from fall of 94 to spring of 95 my utah county warriors divided into orem and timpview respectively so my my team just to backtrack a a hair here when when i put up a flyer at orem and i put up a flyer at timpview i had pete stevenson at orem recruiting you know pete and i had stefan heilner over at timpview and Stefan Heilner is Charlie and Billy Friedman's nephew. And he had moved here and was going there. And, and so we had like 10 kids from Timpview and 10 kids from Orem for that fall Utah County Warriors team. And then in the spring, they each divided and, and then recruited more kids for their, for their own teams. But as time went on, as we were talking about earlier, you had – unless you had a feeder program that somehow developed out of your high school team, like Waterford had, like Mason did in Sandy, you, you had teams that kind of went up and down and a few years 
into this up and down, we decided to start a Utah County fall junior high league to fill all these teams. And at one time, I think we had 18 teams in the county. Uh, I know the first year we had like 12 and then it ballooned up to 16. I think at one point it was 18 teams and Jason Lamb and I ran this. He got his players at BYU to coach, you know, one or two players at, at, at every team. And it, and those teams just fed into the, from the junior high into the high schools to kind of keep it going. And then as more parents got involved, they started doing their own coaching as well as, hey, let's get elementary schools to feed the junior high. And the teams that did the best have continued to produce at the high school level. You know, the Sandys, the Brightons, the uh, Binghams, Waterford, Judge. You, you know, if, if you've got a good youth program, you're going to continue to have a good high school program. And so, but like you said, did we imagine it would get this far? I don't think any of us could have imagined the growth that we've seen over the 20 something years now. So we're not far away from 30 years. So that's amazing. It really is. So when, when you think back to this meeting, you know, in Sandy, you think back to this first league, do you ever get this sense of accomplishment? Do, do you feel a sense of pride in all of this? You know, what, what are some of the things that, that you look back and, and are proud of? The biggest sense of accomplishment or pride I get, I don't have any kids, as you know, but I do have nephews and I do consider all the kids I've coached, whether at camp or, or club team or BYU or whatever, I consider to be, you know, I consider myself to be an uncle, you know, not a dad, but, but, but certainly an uncle. And, and the, the old adage where it takes a village to raise a, a kid, I'm, I'm certainly part of that village. I might be the village idiot, but I'm still part of the village. But but to see these kids grow up, have kids of their own that they're now coaching, like Stefan Heilner there in American Fork, Sky Ridge area. To see Pete Stevenson graduate from BYU and then start coaching. First, he started refing, then he started coaching. To see other kids that I've coached be be really good refs. Steve, oh gosh, what's Steve's last name? from from uh, Highland High School. You know, he's one of the best refs in the state, if not the West. You know, guys like that, that, that gives me a little bit of a sense of pride to go, yeah, I coached him when he was little, and now look what he's doing. He's coaching or he's refing at a high level. And so it does give me a sense of pride. And then, of course, my nephews and, and the kids that I've coached to get on to a Division One team at the U – to get onto a MCLA Division One team at BYU or UVU, Colorado, you know, wherever they've decided to go, there, there's, there's, a, that's where my, you know, my uncle pride comes in, and 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 it's just I sit back there and 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 go, okay, he just scored, and I taught him to do that, you know, that's that that's that's fun for me, and I've got a big huge smile, you know, sometimes almost tears coming out of my eyes and I just sit there by myself and nobody knows except for me and, and the, the player, whoever it is. And uh, that's where my sense of pride comes in is, is watching where these kids have, 
have gone and are still continuing to go in lacrosse at various levels. So that that's where my sense of pride comes in. You know, for the listeners out there who maybe don't know the the ins and outs of the Stout family, you are the the, the uncle of you know Josh and, and Jake and Aaron and, and Zach and and even Jesse, obviously. But you know, I'm the uncle, yes. But I taught them how to play before their dad started coaching them. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I'll let you take credit for it for sure. You know, most people know Josh. He's he's probably the the most well known Stout brother. When did when did you get that sense that Josh was going to be something special? Genesis of the family. Aaron Stout couldn't get into BYU, but he would come to camp. And I'm walking from one field to the, from, from from one field to the next as a counselor, and I come up to the field and Jason Lamb, who's running the, the whole program there as well as the camps, I say, Jason, how's he doing? And he happened to be on the field we were watching. And he said, he said about Aaron, he said, Aaron is the best defenseman out here. You know, and this is, this is 300 kids. You know, what's that? Maybe 60 or 70 or 80 of them are defensemen. That's, 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 that's pretty good praise. I said, what does he need to work on? He said, he needs to work on his foot speed just as he gets beat from X and, and the kid got, got a, he didn't score, but he got a shot. Off. So Aaron, Aaron ends up playing at the U has a great time. Zach is the next kid in line, of course. And he decides to go to West Mini. had a great program, had a, had a great time there, ended up being one of the best defensive middies there at, at West Mini. Then a couple of years below that you had Jake, Jake, was something special, better than his older two brothers. Jake could go left-handed, could go, could go right-handed, could play defense, could play offense. He was a, a, a real true two-way midi. Put him on the same team with Aaron Felstead, and you had a pretty potent offense back then. I, I don't care who you were playing against. To control those two guys, one coming from attack, one coming from midfield, you, you know, it, it was something special to watch those two guys play together in high school. A year or two later, you have them as juniors, and Josh comes in as a freshman. Josh is freshman year. He could go left. He could go right. Was more of an attackman than a midi. But what, what, when, when the other guys, and he's a lefty, but those two guys, Aaron and, and Jake, would drive on one side of the goal, and Josh would sit at 10 and 10 on the opposite side, and as his defenseman sagged over, guess what? He is wide open. And Aaron, either a bing-bing to, back to X and over to Josh, or a looping pass over the, the whole crease area, you know, the hole, Josh would get it and he would put it, he, he would f- take a couple steps in, face that, get that goalie to face up, and he would put it in that bottom far corner. And as a freshman, he had seven or eight hat tricks in a row, benefiting mostly from being in the right spot and shooting well, but having. Aaron and Jake 
double or triple teamed or, 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 or whatever. So he grew as a shooter, like, like nobody's business and, and became, you know, more of a pure shooter than even Jake was and a good defender. And once in a while, the goalie would get a penalty and he'd get in the goal because when he was little, he played, he played defense, but, but a funny story. Cause he, he loved Aaron. Aaron was his oldest brother and he kind of, you know, mimicked him growing up and he got to organize lacrosse in my third, fourth grade. And they said, no, everybody has to use a short stick. And he had been using a long pole since second grade, like a full length long pole and and could swing it around pretty good. So anyway, they made him use a short stick. He kind of converted to midi and then to attack as, as time went on. But he played every position, defense, LSM, got in the goal when he was younger. He'd get in the goal and his brothers would shoot on him and, and, and was actually a pretty good goalie. I can remember one time in high school, goalie gets a penalty, gets a you know two-minute roughing penalty or you know unsportsmanlike or something like that. And Josh has to get in the goal w- with, without a chest protector, switch to, to the goalie's helmet, and... I'm on the far sideline in the coach's box and I can hear him barking orders more than I can hear the defenseman barking orders. So he's, he, you know, instinctively he just knew and he was loud and he was vocal and you, you, he was talented enough to play any position you put him in. I mean, look at the, you had, had, had him at attack. And then his last season, he was at midfield would draw a double team which benefit other guys on the backside, you know, to score and everything else. So it, it, it was pretty, pretty apparent as a freshman that he was going to be something special and a, and a, and a pure, a pure shooter, pure, pure scorer. Whereas like, like I said, Jake and Aaron Felstead, they were, they were pretty special in their own right, running both ways, playing offense, playing defense. But those three guys, you, you know, there, there's, there's not a better trio to put on a team. In my opinion, you know that's uh, that's probably uh, enough content for a, a whole other podcast that, that maybe we'll get into uh, later. Tell me though, real quick, I, I have two questions for you. The first is, one of the first times I met you, we were we were talking about lacrosse, obviously as we do, and you mentioned that you used to sell STX lacrosse gear just out of the trunk of your car back in the nineties. Tell us about that experience. So we started in ninety four, right? And Mason Goodhand had a friend, Joseph, can't remember Joseph's last name, who worked at STX, who was about to retire. I mean, he's an older gentleman. And he called him up and he says, hey, we, we need some sticks for our league. Send out boxes of sticks that ended up being in whoever needed one's hand for, for 94. And, and then, you know, Mason, you talk about selling stuff out of your basement. Mason had more than I did in his basement. He had all the league gear. At one point, I think all the goals, you know, we collect the goals at the end of the season for all the fields we put them on. Anyway, this Joseph guy sent out these boxes of sticks for us to start doing a league. In, in 95, I called and said, hey, Joseph, I would like to sell your gear out here. Can you set me up with an account? They were gracious enough to do that, and stuff came in, ended up in my basement because I didn't have anywhere else. I didn't have a warehouse or anything. Stuff ended up in Mason's basement, my basement, 
I had a cousin with a bike store in Orem. I he gave me one wall. I have a, I have a picture of that somewhere where it says STX and it has heads and it has shafts and it has gloves and you know just the bare necessities, arm pads and shoulder pads, and that was kind of the genesis of of selling stuff here representing STX since since ninety five ninety four if you count the the gift they they sent us but but actually selling it and having an account with them since I believe 95. So I had kids come over and buy stuff out of the trunk of my car, my basement. I'd meet them at a school. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that parents were, were wondering if we were dealing drugs because, because it looked, looked clandestine, I'm sure, but it was all on the up and up and it was just to promote the game. I mean, I can't imagine how much stuff I've given out for rental given out for, hey, use this for the season and return, that's never come back. I, I, I imagine well over $10,000 worth of stuff that's that's out there that, that is mine that I've lent to somebody. You know, I can, I can remember an old red Bacharach helmet that I, I never got back, but I used that when I was at junior college because our, our colors back there were red and black. You know, and I brought that out with me. And now who knows where it is. It's on a shelf at a play it again somewhere. Man, wouldn't that be something to track down that helmet? That would be something else. Add it back to your collection. That would be great. You, you've watched the game in Utah since its inception. Who's, who's your top five players to ever come out of Utah? Oh, my goodness. Okay, from Utah. I got to give the nod to Josh and number two for Maryland. Bubba. Josh and Bubba Fairman. Josh Stout and Bubba Fairman, the top two. Next two, I think, would be Jake Stout, Aaron Felstead. Then you've got, is it Mayer? Mayer Meyer went to Towson years ago. He, he's got to be up there. He stayed back there, and I think he's actually a policeman or a sheriff or something in, in Baltimore County there. But he went to Towson. So that would probably be my my top five honorable mentions. You've got little little thirty two from 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 Bountiful, played for the U. Cam, little little Cam, Chris Belcher, Elliot Grow. Elliot Grow's one of one of the, one of the best players to come out of Utah. You know, gosh, try to think of who who else who else played with Elliot. Jordan Harris. He's from he's from Denver though. So. But but you know there's there's been some fantastic players over the years. Uh, Steve Austin came and played for us from from at BYU. Played for Army. Got married. You can't be married and play. So he transferred out to BYU. Steve Austin, pound for pound, one of the strongest and best athletes I've ever known. I mean, you know, at Army, you box, you fence, you play lacrosse, you play football, you play track. You know, so. Those guys were exposed to like every sport you can imagine. And this is a kid that excelled at most of them. And, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd grip your hand and about crush you. It could have crushed you if you wanted to. But, but the kid would practice without elbow pads on. I mean, the kid was an animal. So, uh, you, you know, he, he'd, be, he'd probably be in my top five as well. Uh, although not really a kid from Utah, but, but played here, you know, along with Elliot. So, I don't know. That, that's, that's a pretty good list. I know, I know I'm probably forgetting somebody, you know, Chandler Westcott. What, what a phenomenal player. I mean, can you imagine having Dallin Hampshire in goal, 
Chris Belcher on the wing and, a, and an attack that was made up of Chandler Westcott, Bubba Fairman, and Josh Stout. Holy cow, they didn't, they didn't lose to anybody. I don't care if it was in Boston, Philadelphia, or in Denver for the World Games. They didn't lose to anybody. I mean, holy cow, what, what, a, what a trio that would have been, you know, to, to, to watch or, or to, to be a part of. I was unfortunate enough to never see them play together, but because I couldn't, I couldn't make the road trip. But anyway, I mean, th- th- those are three phenomenal players right there that playing together were unstoppable. So there's been, there's been some great players come out of the state and I hope that will continue. You know, we, we hope to continue to put them into, you know, D1, D2, D3, MCLA D1, anywhere across the country. And it, it, it is fun to see kids, you know, with, with the club teams around, whether it's true or whether it's uh, Wasatch. And, and Wasatch does a good job of, of promoting where their players they've had on their team have gone or go. You, you know, it, it, it's fun to see those posts. So, and, and hopefully it, it continues. I want to thank you, Mark, for your time today. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm sure we could go on for hours and, and maybe we will, you know, this summer or something, but I appreciate your time and I'm sure we'll, I will see you on the sidelines. Well, hopefully you can send that picture that I sent you along with it and, and, and people can get a kick out of that and, you know, kind of the starting point. And, and hopefully there's some guys that listen to your podcast that, that can see themselves in that picture, you know, Scotty Clark or Clint Felstead or, Andy Stockman, who's who's up in Spokane, you know, of course, Mason and Dave Allen and, and those guys that, that were in there. Chris Rader, who's in in Spokane, Washington, or uh, Vancouver, Washington, is in that picture. Pete Stevenson's in that picture. Stefan Heiler's in that picture. I'm in that picture, you know. So anyway, ho- hopefully, hopefully guys get a, pick, a, a real kick out of finding themselves in, in that picture and, and, and everybody else gets a kick out of, of where it started. So. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. 